Hello and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, owner and CEO of Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Historically, the banking industry viewed innovation as a way to add more to a product or service. The focus was often on technology, competitive offerings, and ecosystems, and not enough about the consumer. The world has changed in an instant. More than ever, consumers want to transact and engage in a way that is easy, intuitive, and emotional. Simplicity has taken center stage in the innovation process and creating memorable experiences is more important than ever. We are joined on the Bank and Transform podcast by Jen Kang Moeller, previous Vice President of Customer Experience at OCBC Bank in Singapore and the author of the book, The Simplicity Playbook for Innovators. Jen and I discuss why simplicity and creating lovable experiences is important and how to make it happen in any organization. As I mentioned, a lot of large and small competitors have come into the banking space with a focus on improving the customer experience, usually by making banking easier. Now, this maybe is going back to the beginning, but why is simplicity so important? Yeah, um, I think well, the quickest answer would be, you know, we humans are naturally attracted to simplicity. Especially in the financial world, things have become way too complex and there are a lot of information, a lot of steps to go through just to make a financial decision. So by making simpler, we naturally attract customers. And I think another reason why simplicity is so important in today's time is because when we make things simpler, we increase ability to change. So in other words, let's say you offer a new product, which requires, I don't know, a different way of uh, adopting. Uh, Let's say if when, you know, a company like Uber first came about, it certainly required change for people when they think about a taxi. Now they have to think about, hey, actually I could uh, grab a, a car of somebody else, potentially a stranger, in order to get from A to B. So innovation happens when people's behavior actually changes. So by making things simpler, we are naturally increase people's ability to make change because the motivation we may not be able to influence. So there's a very interesting connection between simplicity and ability to change. Therefore, the likelihood that we can innovate something will be higher. So virtually every financial institution talks about customer centricity being the core of their mission statement. Yet banks and credit unions seem to ignore what the consumer wants from an experience basis. Jen, why is that the case? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I don't think companies ignore customers' wants or needs. I think it's rather the way we understand customers' needs are rather superficial. So typically methods like surveys are Uh, widely used just to reach out as many customers as possible. Also, we have now, uh, we can make use of data analytics as well. But with those methods, we can, those can reveal what is happening or we can gather how customers, you know, what, what are their opinions. But those data may not help us really understand why they are behaving certain way or how they feel about our product and services. So, I'm a big fan of promoting, you know, so-called design research methods, which requires a direct interaction with customers, uh, such as, you know, one-on-one interviews or ethnography, you know, or 
We sometimes do the, the diary journal, uh, research where we collect the rich evidence of how customers' daily life is. Those methods, I think a lot of organizations are shy about using those methods, maybe because of the, the tested nature of those methods. Oh, how are we going to make sense out of this? Or, um, oh, it's going to take a very long time. Or, oh, what kind of sample size are we dealing with here, right? But I think in order to really putting customer in the center and using their stories as a source of inspiration, the research method has to be changed. Um, so I think this is something that um, uh, you know a lot of organizations missed on, missed upon. And um, by doing it right, to the previous question, we are able to identify the opportunities that cost other competitors cannot see. So that's one. And another reason might be the really the lack of the sense of need for change. So we know we have to be customer centric, but maybe people don't necessarily feel we need to change. I, I like the idea of really giving opportunities for any parts of the organization to really see and feel customers. It could be, you know, elevated as a cultural program. Everybody in the organization have opportunity to hear directly feedback from customers and observe certain customers. It doesn't have to take a long time, but there's a really nice um, effect. I call it empathy effect. When people have given the, uh, they are given opportunity to empathize, something changes in them. They begin to see their problem statement in a very different way. So, uh, so empathy is a very soft word, but I think this is an asset that we need to cultivate in an organization to really, I mean, business reason really is to wear the lens to see the problem differently. We call it the ability to reframe. In your book, The Simplicity Playbook for Innovators, you focus on how organizations can simplify and eliminate friction for the consumer, obviously. How can organizations simplify the entire customer journey? Where do they start? Well, where to start? Well, that's a tough question. I always say that, you know, it is good to identify some quick wins where we can see immediate results. So in my simplicity journey, I ended up doing a lot of form simplification, not because forms are the most important thing, but we were really able to see the immediate uh, change. We were able to measure the impact of the change. But by doing so, I think as an organization, you learn something from there. You learn, you know, how this process worked. You know, by making certain things simpler, you gain some confidence. So I always advise people to start something that is small, relatively small, it has the least dependencies. But at the same time, you know, to your question, you know, how do we simplify the entire customer journey? I'd like to pose this definition because um, when we say simplicity, everybody has some different notion, isn't it? Um, it's maybe some people think about a simple object. Maybe some people think about, I don't know, a cup of coffee, you know, or nature, right? So in the context of innovation, I define simplicity as an experience that makes things easier for customers and leaves a positive emotion. So I think in order to simplify the entire customer journey, we need to think about the experience. You know, what 
kind of emotion we want to live with your customers. So to me, that is essential. So by identifying that emotion, um, we are able to make decisions, make the, make the design decisions in, okay, when customers are on board, what are the things have to be in place? What kind of tone of voice we need to you know, speak? Or what kind of channels do we need? Do we need actual people or is digital enough? Or vice versa. So, um, so I really like the idea of really think about uh, thinking in experience and then defining the emotions uh, that we want to live with the customer as an organization. So it, it doesn't have to be always one emotions because there are many different kind of projects, isn't it? So maybe for one digital banking project, it can be you know our the kind of emotions that we want to live with is the confidence, or maybe some. For, I mean, for instance, for the millennials friend for Frank, we went beyond just confident. We wanted people to feel passionate. Uh, we wanted people to feel uh, fun, you know. So having those emotional needs understood, defined, it can really govern uh, the team to design the sim- seamless uh, customer experience. So it's interesting. Historically, banking views innovation and change in terms of big changes. You know, we we do an upgrade or we do an update and we do them quarterly or annually, whatever. How important are incremental improvements to simplicity and the customer experience? Well, as I mentioned, I think the incremental um, improvement is so important, but first of all, because it gives us confidence. But when I look back my Simplicity journey, really starting something with something small gave us confidence so that we can move on more difficult and more complex one. So from a learning organization point of view, I think that is important that we really try something that is not so complex, that doesn't have so many dependencies and and start from there and see the impact and learn from it. But also I'm a big fan of really obsessing with the details because when we think about, again, customer experience, nothing is too detailed. You know, let's say I wanted to open a new account, and then the very first form I received might have had a lot of forms, um, a lot of fields. The tone of voice might have been very harsh or very robotic. You know, it does give us impression what kind of company we are dealing with. So everything we produce, whether it's an app, whether it's a physical space, forms, communication, they are our silent ambassadors. Either they will promote our brand or they will discourage us from wanting to build a relationship with us. So I do think everything matters as a part of designing customer experience and nothing is too detailed. So hence, um, always just looking for big changes. And if it's not materialized into really small changes that that aggregate into into a big experience, um, I don't think it, it is the right strategy. So too often, organizations try to simplify the final mile of the customer journey. In other words, you know, the the app integration or something along that lane. Can organizations simplify the journey without completely throwing out what has been there for the past in the back office? Should they build from scratch as opposed to just trying to work with what they had in the past? Especially the financial institution that were so caught up in what we thought was required in the past. Should should organizations consider at least throwing it out so they can build the back office so it really simplifies the, the final mile? That's a very good question. Um, 
I do think that there are enough opportunities to simplify without having to touch the backend systems or backend processes. Um, so that's, that's my take. And another thing is, in order to simplify something, the first step really is to understand customers. So when we try to understand what customers need, how do they behave and why do they behave that way? And then we essentially work backwards from there. And that's how we create simplicity, right? Um, so that thinking process will be same, whether you are designing something that is simple, doesn't have any uh, back office uh, implication, or that, that really requires the fundamental change in the organization. So um, I do think starting uh, right now with possible opportunity to execute something will be a better strategy because um, I keep going back to the, the form uh, example because the learning curve was so steep. I mean, when we designed, redesigned one of the forms, we invested, I don't know, three, four months. And uh, it was really about, you know, making the form easier. But then we realized the form was the reflection of the organizational process and culture. So it took longer than um, we wanted to spend, but by doing so, um, we were able to understand people's needs better. You know, what, what, what are customers' needs? What are our relationship managers' needs? And what, what kind of information do back office need? Um, and that thought process was really helpful. I mean, not only we were able to launch the, you know, the, the physical and the, you know, very simple form on, on our website, but also it really helped us to strategize what we need when we were working with a uh, technology vendor to customize the, the backend system for our, to meet our customer experience vision. So I don't think, oh, having to change the backend system should be an excuse because we can always start from understanding the current work process and customer's behavior. And then um, these will really help organizations to uh, plan their uh, platforms and, and tech, uh, tech solutions better. So Jin, what are the most common points of friction? And how can an organization identify friction points within the buying process and within their organization? There are a lot of friction points, but I think the one of the most important um, thing we need to consider as an organization is that we shouldn't look at specific friction points. <laughs> I know the, the answer sounds ironic to the question. For instance, you know, when we were digitizing some the, the, the buying uh, platform, like, uh, you know, in order for people to buy investment product, I mean, initially we were very obsessed with how can you make this thing simple? You know, what, what are the friction points? But then when we looked at our customer's journey, their journey never starts in buying. And this was a big shift in our one of the projects that, you know, really looking at certain specific areas of um, journey, maybe it's not the best strategy. I mean, we will spend a lot of time and effort to, to remove the friction. Better strategy really is to, to really look at what, what do customers really want to do? Um, how can we improve the overall experience? So what we ended up doing was um, instead of building, you know, initially we started with, you know, let's make the simplest possible buying platform. And then after we, we spent some time with customers, we completely reframed to, hey, what if we design every step of the way and every step of the way they feel confident? They feel confident when they see some ideas to where to invest. 
they feel confidence when they um, consider different option and they feel confident when they you know, decide to buy. And also they feel confident when they manage their, uh, their assets. So um, the shift from platform to less designer confidence, um, it really changed the entire um, project scope from really looking at as an IT project too. It, it involved content, it involved uh, you know, the role of channels, and the service model, etc. So it what it extended to um, very you know massive project. But the main lessons learned was that way of thinking was so essential because that was really making money, a lot of money, and that helped us um, you know differentiate ourselves in the market. We, we weren't just one of the buying platforms, for instance. So I think. Instead of really focusing on oh, where are the frictions, I think now we really have to move away from, from the notion, really look for what kind of experience we want to create and what are the defining moments that we can create along the way. You know, that's such a key element of what you've said in the book is that, you know, in fact, your book says creating lovable experiences in a complicated world. So it's not really just about eliminating steps or making it so it's the quickest and fastest. It's really about making it so the consumer wants to stay engaged. So again, it, it's, it's making it so that they're, they're good experiences, they're re reciprocal experiences. It shows empathy. Maybe it uses personalization so the consumer says, I want to stay engaged with this. And, and you know, we've done some research recently that says, you know, loyalty is really being driven by how long a consumer wants to be engaged Mm. with an application. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean, you know, PayPal doesn't want you to get in and out in a second, but they want to create a memorable experience. And sometimes it is the simplicity of the Apple credit card where it just takes seconds to finish it off. But in other cases, to your point, it's about building memorable experiences that simplify the overall journey without taking the word simple as meeting necessarily the fewest steps or making it simply easy. So that's a great component of it. Uh, you know, from your perspective, is there a connection then between data analytics, let's say AI, machine learning, personalization, and the elimination of steps, but more importantly, the building of better customer experiences then? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really love your example, you know, like people think simplicity is about efficiency, right? That's why I keep emphasizing on the experience. It's really about creating that, you know, memorable experience. I love the, I, I use the word lovable. A lot of people actually was yeah. against the word because banking cannot be lovable, right? Um, but I use the word just to stretch our thinking. That's how important that creating that emotional effect. Um, so really simplicity is perceived. It, it has to be felt, right? So. So for some people, if certain process takes two seconds, maybe they are the happiest in the world. Maybe for some people, they need longer time. They need assurance. They need someone or some system really explain line by line as opposed to everything goes quick, 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 and then done. So I think we have more opportunity than ever to create the simple experience, which can be you know, perceived differently individually, right? Using data, AI and machine learning, we are able to really learn uh, what kind of experience do these people need? So yes, I, I really think that there's a huge overlap creating that the perceived simplicity based on the individual's behavior, preferences and, and, and their needs using those AI and data analytics and machine learning. 
It sounds like the commitment to simplification, the commitment to creating lovable experiences really needs to be cultural across the whole organization as opposed to simply being in the area of innovation, product development, or marketing, doesn't it? It really has to be cultural within the whole organization. Yeah, I mean, that would be ideal. But I, I also understand because I work with a lot of um, senior leaders, uh, middle management leaders. They genuinely want to make a difference. They genuinely want to change things, especially I think there's a huge movement going on uh, within HR department to really drive this transformation in the managing the, the future workforce to empower them to be agile and creative. So there's a huge business uh, transformation efforts going on, but we often experience this resistance, right? Because the changes are imposed on them and people are naturally reluctant to change, right? So there, there's, a, there's a natural conflict and resistance to all those good intent. So I think cultural is always a tricky word, isn't it? Culture has to be, it can be designed, but at the same time, it cannot be forced. So I'm in the view of, Really, you know, even if your senior management may not be fully on board, even if you don't have that kind of culture yet, really starting somewhere and then create that suction. And there are enough people in the organization who really believes in this and creating that momentum and creating, nurturing that network. I think this is a probably more realistic strategy as opposed to oh, we have to make it as a culture. And, you know, a lot of people have this allergic reaction to cultural change. So I think we have to be also very empathetic with employees. Um, they want to do a good job, but they are so overwhelmed with having to change. So to me, really the best way to permeate this, uh, you know, the human centricity and the love for simplicity is really to you know, change individual by individual. So start where you are, whether you are in marketing or strategy or IT, and uh, yeah, start from there, make fan and, you know, have your own party <laughs> and then storytell. And by telling a lot of stories, uh, it can really change people and inspire the organization. And of course, I think because of that, because, uh, you know, CBC, we've done a lot of those. I mean, in the beginning, we, we had to do this grassroots approach, although our senior management was, was very committed to this. And it, it did take some time until um, top management recognized the importance of um, you know, simplicity and human-centered design, and we got finally mandate to really scale this way of thinking top-down. But even though we don't have that, I think there are ways to really enable um, people, inspire people at the individual and, and department level, and this small change can mount into something really big. It gets back to the incremental growth factor, and that's really good. So beyond Amazon, which which certainly in the U.S., it's used, it's used as an example of so much. What are some of the organizations that you have seen that are really best at simplifying the journey and creating lovable experiences as part of the innovation process? Well, um, I must say, I mean, as a consumer, I love and adore um, tech companies like Peloton and Strava really bringing the technology and great experience together. And it is really omnichannel, isn't it? Um, it's really about using data. It gives you beautifully designed page to get to know yourself. At the same time, you can connect with people and it use technology. And most importantly, it does create the defining moment of achievement. Uh, Jim, I mean, you are a bit uh, workout 
gig, as I understand. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Working on it, trying, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you are a great example of transformation. I mean, so to me, that the whole user experience, you know, the, the connecting with people, um, everything powered by technology, yet it's so human. It celebrates that human moment. I, I think this is a great example of creating lovable experience using digital technology. Well, that, that's interesting, Jen. I will tell you that we have not had a guest when we've talked about innovation, transformation, yeah. integration, all this, that have mentioned Peloton and Strava. However, as soon as you mentioned it, I don't have a Peloton, but I know how the engagement is. Yeah. A light bulb went in my head and said, these are great examples because I live for my Strava app. I mean, yeah. every day I'm on Strava and I will be at a workout facility that provides me an update as to how well I did. But I put into Strava so I get those kudos, so I get the engagement exactly. of other people I know. <laughs> I, there are some engagements I have internationally where I have more communication through Strava than I do mm. through Twitter and LinkedIn, like with Nigel Walsh, Walsh in the UK. And, and it's just interesting how different people, you, you find that these experiences keep you coming back. And, and at the end, you know, I'll, I'm going to go back to your book again. It creates those lovable experiences that you want to engage as opposed to being forced to engage. So mm. finally, how do people get a hold of your book? And I assume it's on Amazon. In fact, I know it's on Amazon. And more importantly, how do they reach out to you directly if they want to talk to you about the whole innovation and the simplification of a journey? Yes. Yeah, so please find me on LinkedIn, Jin Kang Waller. Also, you can get in touch with me at designfulcompany.com where I share my thoughts and executive training and consulting services in the areas of customer-centric innovation, simplicity, and human-centered design. Jin, finally, it's been, it's been a pleasure and it's long overdue. We, we communicate as we talked about before the podcast. We communicate with each other through social media and keep up to date with each other through social media, but having the ability to, to meet with you and talk to you is, as I said, long overdue and, it, and we won't wait this long again. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoyed having conversation with you. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform. Rate is a top five banking podcast. I genuinely appreciate the support you have provided since we started this endeavor. If you enjoy what we're doing, please be sure to follow Banking Transform on your favorite podcast app. In addition, please take some time to show some love in the form of a review. These reviews are how people determine whether to listen and how we get such great guests. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research we are doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been an Evergreen Podcast production. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Rowe Hoffman, and video engineer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember that making something complicated is easy, but making something that's truly memorable and lovable takes creativity. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. 
Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.